are here with Jolie Vigers, CPA, CMA, and financial coach at Wellbeing Coaching. She has a clear focus on financial independence and coaches her clients to become clear and aligned with their values, designing a life and making the money match those dreams. So she, Jolie encourages talking about personal finances, normalizing conversations about risk and debt and investments and cash flow. So totally in alignment with everything we are talking about here in this year's summit. So Jolie, welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's so great to have a platform like this for women to talk to women about money. I love it. And today we're talking all about business and personal finances, why and how to get organized. So not necessarily the sexiest of topics, but definitely one that is super important. Well, maybe if you're not an accountant, it's not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Uh, but yes, absolutely. It is so important because I talk with so many people and their finances are all commingled and messy and it's really hard to understand what's going on. And so I think this is a really common thing that ladies work with all the time and they don't know how to get to the other side of having that clarity. Absolutely. So my first question is, is there a certain threshold? So maybe I've got like a side hustle or a business on the side, something. Is there a certain threshold in which, can you make X number of dollars? This is when you should start separating personal and business finances. I would say no. I would say right from the start, honestly, because it might start out as a hobby, a tiny little side hustle. I don't know. Let's see what happens. And three years later, your accountant will thank me for having you set up a separate bank account and credit card for that business. So even if it's you're only making, say, $1,000 a year, don't you still want to be able to know that your business made $1,000 a year? Yes, of course, you want to know that because it's now a business. It's not just a hobby. You're making money. So you want to have that information so that you can make better business decisions. Okay, so now I'm inspired. I need. I know I need to separate this, keep it all separated. So I want to get it organized. What steps should I follow? Can you help walk me through that? So I think first, what most people will do is they'll have a hobby or a side hustle or something and they'll say, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. Great. Step one, set up a different bank account. Okay. This is easy. It doesn't have to be a business bank account because if you're just a sole proprietor, which is what most people will be until you incorporate, um, which you never even ever have to do necessarily. But if you're a sole proprietor, it's still just in your name. So any free checking account, no fee account, just set it up and say, oh, I'm just going to designate that account to be everything business. Simple, right? And then the same thing with a business credit card, because we all know that sometimes we have online subscriptions that you have to pay with a credit card and on and on. Get a no fee credit card. Don't care about the points and rewards or anything like that. A no fee credit card. Use that card solely for your business purposes. Okay. That's going to keep everything business all tucked away over here. And all your family finance busyness can be all over here. But what we want is to keep them very, very separate and distinct. Yeah, when I started kind of doing my online business things, I just opened a separate account through EQ Bank because you can kind of like cleave them off. Super easy. It's free. Um, keep it simple. I am all for keeping things simple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you don't have to worry so much about, you know, what's happening and, you know, which bills are coming out when because the business should be taking care of itself, right? Hopefully. Not always, right? But that's going to give you a better indication as well cash flow wise and income wise, what's happening over here in this business. 
That brings me to my next question, which is a great lead in. So I've heard of this profit first as far as a business kind of management style. Can you explain the profit first strategy? Sure. So the idea behind this is we're only going to do this business if we're getting something really good out of it. And usually that something really good is getting some profit. Yay! We get some money out of all of our hard work that we put into a business. And so instead of saying, oh, I brought in some money and then, oh, I had all these expenses and, oh, there's nothing left at the end, which is the way most people will operate, especially when they're starting out. Flip that whole idea and say, okay, I need to make X amount of money. Maybe that's $100 a month. Okay. So then when you add up all of your expenses on top of that, including your taxes, everything, then say, all right, this is the total of what it's going to cost me. Then this is the revenue, the income number that I need. So you're kind of working it backwards. That's why it's called profit first. Normally, when you're an accountant looking at an income statement, the last line is the bottom line that everybody's so excited about. What is the profit? And so if you check out that book, Profit First, they'll say, you know what? Let's start with that. If that's what we need to make this business worthwhile, great. Then we'll kind of reverse engineer it to say, this is the amount of income that we need to bring in from this business. And I like that you included taxes in that kind of conversation because I often forget about taxes and then all of a sudden tax time comes and you're like, oh, right, I got to pay tax on all of that kind of income. So can you kind of walk us through some of that tax kind of situation we should be thinking for in advance, maybe? So again, when you're just starting out with a a business and this can be anything, this can be doing any kind of sales. If you're working as a consultant, it can even be if you're running your uh, rental real estate, all of that would be considered like a business over here. Okay. And so what we really want to be paying attention to is, all right, it's still small. So I'm still a sole proprietor or potentially a, a partnership, but What that does for taxes is that still goes on your T1 general. That's your regular old income tax form that you're going to file every year. Okay. It's going to be on a special piece of paper, special form called the T2125. Now, once you get bigger, you might decide that you want to incorporate. That's a whole different scenario for taxes. So at that point, a corporation is going to file taxes under a T2, okay? And so that's a whole different model of how you're going to pay taxes and how you could pay yourself and everything else. So for now, let's just talk about a, a smaller business, sole proprietor type thing. So generally, it would be a safe bet to say, you know what? I'm going to take 30% of what I make and I'm going to stash it away, okay? Because everybody's cost of sales and, you know, I don't want to get too nerdy on the accounting term. But there's gross profit and, you know, all these different things. But when you're just starting out, you could take 30% of your sales and tuck it away in your free savings account designated specifically for your business and say, okay, if I made $100 in revenue, that means I'm going to put $30 of that over here into my savings account. And then $70 is left to pay for me and pay for all of my other costs. Okay. 30%, maybe it's too high. That just means that you get like freebie little bonus at the end of the year when you file your taxes the following April, right? Maybe 30% is too low. Well, at least you're not going to have to cough up a huge check that you have to pay to the government the following April because you'll have most of it already covered. Now, of course, It depends on what your business costs are. If you have a very, very slim margin of profit, then 30% is going to be 
too big for sure. But when you're just starting out, do conservative, put away 30%, let it sit there until you file your taxes, you know, in April kind of an idea and see where it lies. If it's too high, make it less next year. If it's too low, make it bigger next year. At least you have a starting point and you're training yourself to say, I'm going to be prepared. And doing the responsible adult thing by having this money set aside in this savings account so that when I file my personal income taxes, I'm going to say, oh, yeah, now I have to owe the government money because I added, you know, all this information onto my T2125 and it's saying I now owe a bunch of money. Oh, great. It's sitting right here in my business savings account. I think that's a great tip. I That is not something I did last year. I mean, we had the money because we were saving for something else. So we had to repurpose that money kind of thing. But yeah, it's like now this year, I'm like, because we just finished tax time. It's like, okay, going forward, 30% savings account. Like that's something that is a great tip. Now you kind of brushed, uh, kind of touched on sole proprietorship, corporation too. I mean, most people are probably gonna be sole proprietorship, but can you just talk a little bit about the difference between the two as far as structure, fees, taxes, that kind of thing? Sure. Um, yeah, when you first start out, most people will just be sole proprietor. And that's very simple. It's just you acting uh, as yourself. You can even still just invoice out. And, you know, for example, I could invoice out, you know, Jolie Vigers is doing this. But at some point, you might decide that you want to incorporate. There's costs associated with that. So I would say basically to get set up for the first time, plan for maybe about $1,000 of admin and, you know, legal, those kinds of things to get all of your structure and everything set up. And then when you file your taxes, it's going to cost you probably between $500 and $1,500. So again, think about thousand bucks to file your taxes every year on top of what you're doing for your personal taxes. Okay. So why would you do this? Well, there is some very big structural differences in that. So for example, I'm incorporated and I can own all the shares. I could also say my husband owns some of the shares. I could have my friend own some of the shares, you know, so there's different ways we could structure what this company looks like. And then when you pay yourself from the corporation, then you can decide, are you going to take a salary or are you going to take dividends? And of course, there are big tax differences in how that is relayed through to the government, whether you're paying CPP and EI and, you know, all these other things and how much tax you're going to pay on. So there's a whole lot that goes into the decision whether you should incorporate or not. Sometimes with that structure, it gives you a little bit more uh, protection for liability and it also legitimizes the business a little bit more. So sometimes even just that appearance. One other thing that people get confused on is GST. You can charge GST as a sole prop and you can charge GST as a corporation. You don't have to be one or the other for GST. So if you're charging or if you're earning over $30,000 a year, you have to start charging GST and you can do it before you hit that point as well. Okay. But I just want to make it clear that that is its own kind of program. It doesn't matter on the ownership status of what that business is. That makes sense? Absolutely. I think that makes total sense. There is different advantages and disadvantages, obviously. When does it make sense to incorporate? I know you kind of talked about as far as legitimizing or some liability. Are there any other times where it makes sense? Because it is a big cost compared to a sole proprietorship. So are there any like these instances it totally makes sense? I hate to say it, but it's like all of the personal finance issues is like, it depends. It really depends. Right. And so 
there's lots of different things. And, you know, even if you were to do a Google search on it and say, you know, when should I incorporate? There will be a zillion different things. Well, consider this and consider that and consider this and consider that. But really, it's once you're starting to make enough money to make it worth it, right? So if your company is only making $1,000 a year, no, you're not going to incorporate because you don't want to have all of your profit then go towards paying your fees and your accountants for your end, right? And so that doesn't make sense. But at some point, if you're starting to, you know, make significant more money here, then it might be, hmm, I think that's worth it. And, you know, when we talk about personal finance, when you want to be a little bit more creative in how and when you get paid, you can manipulate that a little bit more when you have a corporation. For example, you can take a bunch of money in one year or very little money in one year in your dividends, according to what else is happening in your personal income taxes as well, right? Or what's maybe happening with your family situation. If you're going on mat leave, for example, and you know you're going to have a much lower income for a year or a year and a half, then perhaps that is a great time to take some money out of the corporation because you're going to be in a low tax bracket for that year, right? So it's kind of next level to be able to be planning for that. But that's, I would say, one of the biggest cases of scenarios is to say, I want to manage how much I'm paying in personal income tax by using my corporation. Yeah, that definitely sounds a little bit next level. I've done both. I've had an incorporation and not, so I kind of can appreciate and understand that. But one thing with running any kind of business, sole proprietorship or you know, incorporation, there is paperwork. And especially when it comes down to tax time, the amount of paperwork and things they need. Do you have any tips for us on how to kind of fight that paper overwhelm? Stay on top of it as it comes right? And so it'll be miles easier if, number one, all of your business finances are tucked away over here with their own accounts and all their expenses, everything here. And it's very, very clear. Okay. So that's going to be step one. Let's do that. Step two, you're going to want to track what is happening in your business every month. You really should right? Like if we're putting so much time and effort and energy into running a business, don't we want to know that it's worth it? And so monthly tracking to say, oh, here's our sales and here's our expenses and you know, all of those things. Fantastic. So you won't be overwhelmed with a giant shoebox full of receipts and mess. And, you know, here's my personal credit card and my other credit cards and, you know, ah, sort out this one. I'm going to highlight this one. I think that was a business expense, but I don't have the paper slip anymore. Mm-hmm. If you stay on top of it month by month, it will be much less overwhelming. Right. Uh, But I have had clients that, you know, they're two years into the business or more and they haven't been doing this. It's all been all co-mingled. And so now they're trying to pull it apart. And so it's a project to do that. Yep, you can hire it out if you want. Um, But from that point on, then they can see the clarity of, oh, I can see that I'm making money on this line of business. For example, I can see that maybe I make no sales in the summer because my clients are away or, you know, nobody's buying my stuff. Maybe my stuff is Christmas themed crafts. So you're not selling those in July. You're selling those in October and November. So you're going to see the cycles of your business. And all of this is so that you can make better business decisions so that you can make more money, right? So that's how you're going to get over the overwhelm is to dig in and get it started fresh, hopefully right from the get-go, be like, this is nice and clean. 
I'm starting to track it now because I have a vested interest in, is my business worthwhile? I think that's great. Like keeping up every month, like when you're doing your budget, just do your kind of business books or your business budget and keeping that separate account. I think that has saved my bacon more times than I care to count because sometimes I get behind three months and it's like, but I just have to go look at that account. I'm just in one place. I don't have to look everywhere. Um, I think those are absolutely some great tips for anyone trying to kind of make sure it's not commingled because it's easy to commingle, especially if you're thinking sole proprietorship, you know, I'm claiming it on my own taxes. So why do I even have to kind of separate it? So I think those are some really, really good tips. And I think another sort of an add on to that is if you do have some expenses that are personal that the business should be paying for. For example, you have a family cell phone plan that's mostly family, but one person's cell phone should be paid by the business. And let's say it's $50 a month. Every every month, this business should show $50 needs to go from the business to the family and make that happen. And then you'll start to see, okay, it's working itself out. So it's not a project, right? The same thing can be done for things like your mileage. Again, if you're using your personal car for business stuff, then you say, okay, well, I'm keeping a really detailed travel log to say, I drove here. This is how many kilometers or however you want to do it. And then say, okay, I, the business now needs to pay the family finances for these regular expenses that are going to happen every single month. Julie, as someone who's been doing this for a while, you are a wealth of knowledge. If somebody is ready to kind of get their business's finances organized and they want to connect with you, uh, I hear you have something to share with us today. So I work with a lot of clients that are um, stuck in this part of trying to sort things out. And so what I want to give to you is a, a download where you can at least start to see a working paper. You don't have to go full on with a big accounting software, especially if you're not making a lot of money, right? Start with a spreadsheet, start tracking what's happening and keep everything separate. Keep your uh, taxes in a savings account and then you'll start to see, okay, this is what my business money is doing. The bottom line is we want this business to give money to the family finances so that we can buy groceries, Right now, when I say groceries, I mean all of the things that we have to do. That's what we really want out of this. Ideally, we want this to be a strong, steady number every single month. So the business money can go up and down. But wouldn't it be nice to say every month I'm going to get $100 from my business to buy groceries? Or maybe it's $1,000 a month to get groceries right? We don't know that we can do that if we're not tracking. And so, yes, I'll have a free download for you so that you can track this in a Google sheet and just to have a first sense of it. This is not an accounting financial report. Trust me, I do lots of those. This is a worksheet so that you can start to get your head around. Okay. If I brought in a thousand dollars, $300 goes to my savings account right off the top. And then I'm going to pay me and I'm going to pay my bills and to see what is then left over in my business. So that's what I have for you. Awesome. And that is, you just click that button. That'll take you to that download so that you can get that from Jolie. And Jolie is also a big community builder in the uh, women's personal finance space here in Canada. So Jolie, if someone wants to kind of be part of that community that you built, do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So I started a Facebook group and it's called Canadian Ladies Money Club. And this was born out of the 
need and the desire for a lot of my contacts and my past clients who are like, I'm, I'm good. I'm, you know, great, but I still have the odd question. And I really wish there was a community where we could talk more openly about money because I don't talk to my sister or my best friend or, you know, things get awkward sometimes. And so I created this Facebook group and I'm so, so proud of the ladies that are in this group, sharing their stories, sharing their questions and sharing their answers to really build a safe place to be talking all things about personal finance. Awesome. Thanks, Jolie, for all of your information and your wealth of knowledge. Excellent. Thank you.